So from your perspective, what do you think schools could be doing differently or starting to do to help students with mental illnesses? I think it has to do with a really big cultural shift within the school, right? So I think one of the great things that's happening in our culture and in our society right now at large, not just in school, but in general, is that people are starting to talk about mental illness more openly. It used to be something that was such a stigma of shame, right? So whether you were anxious or depressed or um, had other diagnoses like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, things like that, some of the more serious ones, um, there really wasn't a willingness to talk about it. And it was sort of this silent thing that people were dealing with all the time, but no one wanted to talk about it. So I think that um, schools are, we have a responsibility as we're working with young people, no matter if they're in first grade or they're a senior in high school, we have a responsibility to our students because you spend so much of your life with us, right? So much of your day and your life over the years that you're being educated to educate ourselves on mental illness and what the challenges are, as well as be um, up to date and current with what the specific things that people in your generation are facing that maybe we didn't face or we might have been facing but nobody talked about. So I think it's awareness and it's awareness of mental illness and um, also a willingness to take that awareness and do something with it. So whether that's uh, making sure that you have counselors who are properly trained in mental illness or um, you're making sure the teachers know what to look for, right? So sometimes teachers will misconstrue someone misbehaving and not realizing that it's coming from anxiety, for example. So educating teachers about that. Um, and then creating a culture within the school where students feel safe to talk about mental health and feel supported in doing that so that everyone's kind of on the same page together. Okay, great. Um, what are some strategies that you have for dealing with a student dealing with a mental illness or struggling with schoolwork? Okay, so um, I would say those are two different strategies, right? So with mental illness, um, I really try to help the student to think about their thinking. So there's something called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, um, and basically that helps the student to say like, what am I thinking and how is what I'm thinking affecting my behavior? And that helps a student to just build some awareness around their thought processes and how that's impacting their emotions, how that's impacting their decision making, how that's impacting how they're dealing with the world. The other great tool with that as well is if a student is having a panic attack, for example, um, when someone's having a panic attack, they literally think they're dying. Like they actually think they're having a heart attack. And to you or I, it might be like, okay, you're just breathing heavily or like you're your mind is just spinning, but to them, they literally think they're dying. Um, and so some of that that cognitive behavioral therapy can help to remind them, like, you are present, you are here right now, you are not dying, right? Your thoughts are controlling all of those things, but you also have control over your thoughts, so let's work with that. So, um, and, I, and I think, too, for me, just an open heart and an open mind, because whatever it is you are feeling is real to you, right? So even if to me I don't understand it or I can't relate to it or I've not experienced it, it doesn't mean it's not real for you. And so I think just honoring that and being open and listening and um, validating for the student that what they feel and what they think is is really happening for them is huge. Um, and then with struggling with schoolwork, you know, I think I take that with a case-by-case -case basis with each student. So sometimes it might be as simple as, they're in a class that's too hard for them and we need to switch classes. It might be helping them um, hone in on their study skills like time management and organization and, and how are they studying, right? Um, it might be helping a student to 
learn how to self-advocate when talking to a teacher, right? So all of our teachers here are happy to talk to students, want to talk to students, but I get that that can be intimidating sometimes. So helping you craft an email or sitting in here with a student and a teacher and kind of bridging that gap between um, can help students to feel more in control of, of their schoolwork and of their success academically. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you say that you have enough of a connection with the students you counsel to have a significant enough impact on them? I hope so. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Like I, my, the reason why I'm here is because I love my students, right? I care deeply about you guys. You are why I come to work every day, right? So it's a benefit that I love my coworkers. It's a benefit that I love this school, but the reason why I'm here is for my students. And so my hope is that through talking and listening and relating and just over time building that trust with my students that they do feel like I'm making an impact. And and my goal, um, my goal every day when I come to work is that I positively impact even one student, right? And for some students, that might just be me saying hi to them in the hall and having someone notice them, right? It might be that small or it could be a kid who's having a really hard day who spends 45 minutes in here with me processing and talking through stuff or somewhere in between. So I just really try to to make sure that the way that I'm conducting myself and the way that I interact with students is always positive so that you guys leave feeling like, oh, Ms. Overton cares about me, right? Like that's, that's the goal because I do, right? So I want that to show in the work that I do with you guys. Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many students do you counsel? Okay, I think my number right now is 160-ish, I think. What did Peyton say? I think she said 162. I think, because we split the alphabet in half, and some some grades I have more, and some grades she has more, um, but I, I think we're at 160 each. Okay. Right now. Do you think this is a good number for you? Yeah. I, in an ideal world, I'd like a little fewer just because I could get to know my students even a little bit more than I already do. But any more than like 160, 170, I think would start to feel overwhelming. Um, I have colleagues of mine who work at large public schools who have four, five, six, seven hundred kids on their caseload. And they know maybe 10 or 15 of them really well. Like they're, we call them, we call you guys frequent flyers, like the ones that come in a lot. They know those kids really well, but everyone else they don't know them, right? So I think that does a huge disservice to the students because our our job is to serve you. Our job is to support you as students. And so if we don't know you, we can't have a whole lot of an impact on you. Um, so I think getting much bigger than that would definitely pose some challenges around just the quality of work that we're able to do because we won't be able to reach every student in, in the same way that we do right now. Okay. So the national recommended ratio mm-hmm. is 250 students yes. per one yes. counselor. Yeah. How would you feel if you had a caseload that large? Do you feel that that's too large of a recommendation? Mm-hmm. I do I do feel it's too large for what we want to do in our role. Um, so we're really fortunate, just to give you some background, so we're really fortunate, Minnehaha. So the organization that, that recommends that is ASCA. It's the American School Counselors Association. And they have three sort of areas of expertise that we're supposed to focus on. So one is college and career readiness, one is social emotional health, and one is academic success. Okay, so those are kind of the three like areas. And in in schools where counselors have a lot bigger of a caseload, 
they're tending to do a lot of scheduling for students. They're tending to do a lot of like what we call responsive care. So if a kid is having a panic attack or they get in a fight in the hallway or that kind of thing, they're responding to that, but they're not doing a lot of relationship building. Whereas we at Minnehaha are really fortunate, not only because of our caseload size, but because of the culture here, we get to do college and career. We get to do social, emotional, and we get to do academic. And I think that Ms. Pate and I both feel really fortunate that we get to do what we were trained to do as school counselors. Um, so I think going you know, 250 or higher, you start to lose the ability to do some of those things or do them well because you're trying to serve so many more kids. Um, so is could I do it? Yes, I could do it, but it would be a very different type of work than what I get to do here, for sure. Right. Yeah. So what do you feel that we could do to ensure that other schools meet the recommended ratio or a lower ratio? So there are a lot of things that students can do. Um, a big thing actually has to do with government, with, with talking to your local representative, um, because this, and this is where it gets a little muddy, so bear with me, but every year one of the things that um, our representatives vote on at the local and state level is how much funding schools get for what they call student support personnel, okay? This is where it gets muddy. So student support personnel could be school counselors, that could be a school social worker, and a social worker does more work with like the families than just the student. Um, it could be a school psychologist, and school psychologists run a lot of like assessments and tests on kids. It could be a nurse. So every school district then, if, if that money gets passed, right, they get a lump sum of money, and it's up to the school district to say, we're gonna, we're gonna hire another counselor, or we're gonna hire a social worker, or we're gonna hire a, a psychologist, or we're gonna hire another nurse. So there's no, the unfortunate part is, there's no way for the state to say to the districts, each district has to stay within 250 to one, right? They can't make the districts do that. And that's what I would like to see change. I'd like to see that mandated, right? That like every school, if you have 800 kids, you better have four counselors, right? Like you better stay within that range. Um, at least four counselors. Am I doing my math right? 800, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> terrible math. But you get the idea. So like that's the part that's challenging. So I think as students, you know, making sure that you're paying attention and ask a, um, the School Counselors Association there's a local chapter, it's um, MISCA, Minnesota School Counselors Association. They do what's called a day on the hill every year where they go to Capitol Hill here in, in St. Paul and they talk to different senators and legislature, leg legislators about making sure that there is funding there um, in hopes that eventually there will be some sort of mandate around it. So as students, you guys can write to your legislatures, you can call them, you can email them. Um, you can go to Capitol Hill and, you know, fight for it. Because um, I think that it means a lot coming from students, like what our role has had in terms of an impact on your life. And it's one thing for me to go there and be like, our role is important. But it's a different thing for students to say, like, this was really impactful in my life, right? Like, I needed this person. Or I didn't have a school counselor, and here's how I missed out because I didn't have one. So I think from a government level, that's a really like good, easy way to kind of um, make it happen, so to speak. Great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. You're welcome.